welcome to Talk With Me. This is Marsha Epstein in Lawrence, Kansas, with Tari and Liv Charles, also in Lawrence, Kansas. Hello. Sitting around the dining room table with a little bit of snow outside, hot beverages. A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, for normal weather, this is just a little bit. It is. Just a little bit cold. Hey, we are going to be talking about some things coming up. There's some wonderful things always going on in the Lawrence, Kansas City, Topeka area. It's going to be fun, hopefully inspiring, because a lot of what we're about is helping you connect. It's an important time. It's an important time to know that you belong, to connect, to learn some things from each other. So I'm going to talk about something that involves being heard as well as listening practice. Yes. Yeah. So, Tanya, what's up? Hello. Well, <laughs> we know that I, I'm busy at rehearsing for the spark performance the here in lawrence and flame. flame that's the night that we are going to air this show because this Good. is going to be five to six if people are listening to it premiere and then six thirty, they can head on over to percolator lawrence five dollar recommended donation but it's donation based and it's going to be inside <laughs> you'll day. be warm don't worry and it'll be a bit of my comeback. I haven't been there for a while. I've been, I've, you know, I've been doing my kind of laid back, trying to get ready for grad school if I'm doing that or trying to decide to art things otherwise. But I'm excited to participate this again, new year, new year, new spark. And so yes. that's tomorrow, yes. 7 p.m., 6.30s, the doors open. Uh-huh. And it's at the Percolator Theater, which is on, is it New Hampshire? That's it's behind New Hampshire, yeah, behind between, the Art Center on yeah, New Hampshire. So. Yeah, 9th, 10th block, New Hampshire, Rhode Island block. Mm-hmm. It's in the middle. If When you walk through the alley to actually get to the entrance, you'll be walking and see that the uh, courtyard for the big fancy hotel there is yeah. right across the street from the Percolator. Percolator which used to work sign. really actually well during the summer because the yeah. people from the hotel would come out and see us perform. And, yeah. and we were we were overflowing, so we couldn't even fit in the building, which was great. Yeah. I mean, that was a good time. Yeah. But it is cold, so I understand yeah. that. But we'll be inside. I was actually at a, a um, performance the, with uh, John Robinson does an improv troupe. Lawrence Improv trip here, and he did a performance at the Percolator Theater the other night, is last weekend, um, or the weekend before last. And he and his troop, there's about 10 of them. I mean, like, we were overflowing, that's great, but we had a we, everyone fit in, uh-huh. and it was such a great night. And yeah. so, I recommend coming, it's fun, it's just you know, if you don't have anything to or if you just look for some entertainment, it's a variety show, so you will be seeing a lot of different acts. <laughs> you know, I'm excited too because I haven't seen the um the new cho- they're doing a, a choir, I think. Oh. The, the yeah, they have the um it's like the Lawrence Choir coming or something of that nature, and I'm excited about that. But There's a Facebook page. Yeah, there Let's is. Check it out. See the uh-huh. young girl with a great sense of discipline (laughs) is working it out and she has a great facebook page about it and if you go to my page of course trying michelle smith you'll see that there's a link there and they'll it explains everything but really it's just coming up with time yes there's drinks there's you know if you're old enough (laughs) (laughs) and it's just a good time so i hope to see everyone there at 6 30. I'll Sounds be good. doing my stretches and getting formation as Beyonce. <laughs> there you go. So, so I'm excited to see. Yeah, the spark everyone. was fun. And you mentioned the improv, which mm-hmm. of course Sarah Robinson, who actually started the spark. She did that as well. Uh, yeah. And she, she, gosh, thank goodness for her. I wish she was still here. She visited not too long ago, but she was the one that introduced me to improv here and i really i went to some of their um wednesday nights and it's open to everyone Uh which is great too you just contact john robinson on facebook and just let him know that you want to participate and is it based at theater lawrence it's actually yes uh he rents out eagles lodge okay and they have these just great seminars on wednesday nights where they we just play games and it's kind of just like it really just tells you whether or not it's your it's your kind of 
vibe mm-hmm. because it is kind of fast paced and it is kind of like very improv and very, you know, it's out there. I'll say that much, but I had a fabulous time and I'm definitely going to go again. Mm-hmm. And they become a bit, you can tell that they've become a bit of a family, uh-huh. kind of like Spark. Uh-huh. And so, and I like that about Lawrence, uh-huh. you know, you start some form of a group and you can do that anywhere. And there's so many spaces now. And I was wondering where we were going to rehearse or where we were going to work during the improv group my first day. And he said, oh, it's at Eagles Lodge, which is across the street from my parents' house. And so I thought, oh, you can rent that space out. And then I thought I could do something. And so I'm considering doing a Shakespeare verse class. And I think that would be fun. Uh Um, The laboratory theater here in Lawrence, Lawrence Laboratory Theater, asked me to present a I class. That is. Have you not heard of that? Yeah. It's uh, Katie from the Roundtable. Uh-huh. The, there's an art roundtable here in Lawrence where the many of the heads of the art, different art departments or um, associates from Leeds Center, Theater Lawrence, etc. We get together and second I'm Wednesdays second Wednesdays at noon and I've been blessed from Marsha to take her spot. <laughs> and I enjoy every time because I, you know, I do get to know a lot more about the background, about about what's going on behind the scenes in the art community in terms of finances, in terms of what's viable to do, and they allow me to be honest. Mm -hmm which, you know, is good because I have to acknowledge the, you know, sometimes sensitive subjects, lack of diversity, kind right, of those kind right. of things. And, you know, I am usually, as I, in every group, I go to the only black gay man. I mean, <laughs> take me anywhere, I'm sure, at the White House. I'm <laughs> so it's good for me to be able to speak up. Uh-huh. And they do give me an opportunity to do so. And afterwards, we always have a great conversation, even after dinner. And and I will always get another card. And I met with uh, Katie, and she sent me something over email about the laboratory theater, which is a theater in Lawrence, apparently. That it's not it's technically classes. They diff- they have different classes, and she said. I, you know, she offered me a free pass to any of the classes just to, you know, see what it's like. And then she said, but I should really think about teaching one of the classes. And so this is part of Theater Lawrence? It is. And all you do is actually go, if you're considering, if you want to consider either taking a class or even teaching one, mm-hmm. you actually just go to their website, which is uh, lawrencelab.org, I believe, and you just present what kind of class you would possibly mm-hmm. teach. And actually, I, I spent like, you know, I, I think I wrote too much <laughs> because I wanted to do um, a class that I've been thinking about for a long time, which is classical actresses and how they've influenced modern day glamour. Because uh-huh. in my mind, there'd be no Beyonce without Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> and so I wrote about how I would, you know, present that to a class. And so um, I'm hoping to hear back soon. Uh-huh. But in the meantime, I'm, di- I'm taking different classes. And I decided to do dance as well. And so I'm going to take be- taking classes at um, Point B Studio, hmm. which is a, it's, they have, I'm sure they have other kinds of classes, but I'm going to be doing the hip hop class. And so that'll be, like, be exciting. Is that its own thing, or is that also part of theater? Oh, that's its own thing. It's just a dance studio, and they have great deals throughout the year, especially for new members. And, of course, you know I have fibromyalgia, so I am trying to get into a regular yoga routine, Uh which is difficult sometimes when you're trying to balance everything at once, but I think it's definitely... Health is number one because you won't be able to do anything without being healthy. You know, it's kind of like what they say about mothers. It's like if mom's not healthy, how can she help the kids? <laughs> you know, so you have to think. Oprah, you say you have to think about yourself first, and you know that 
therapist was on her show in 2005 and got booed because she <laughs> said that you have to put yourself before your children. And, you know, it's like because your children can't be helped if you're, you know, falling into pieces. Yeah. So health super important. And I think that, you know, for artists especially, we have sometimes a rap for not being the most healthy people kind of like, you know, I, I don't want to like name names, but it's like even in the spotlight, it's kind of like there's that new film, for instance, Died Too Young on Netflix. Yeah. And I it has like Philip Seymour Hoffman, who uh, was a NYU alumni. I went to New York University. If you didn't know, I <laughs> mentioned it a bit because I'm so proud of that accomplishment. Yeah. Scholarships, of course, couldn't afford it, but I did everything in high school to get in there. <laughs> And I got accepted, which was great. And Philip C. Mahoffmer was an alumni and had an apartment near uh, campus, which NYU doesn't really have a campus because it's in New York City, so you cross downtown and uptown, et cetera, but it's Washington Square. But yeah, no, so they found him in his apartment and, you know, it was him and Heath Ledger and, you know, all these amazing artists. Because I think sometimes you sacrifice so much of yourself to the work and at times it becomes overwhelming. Like Heath Ledger, they said that when he was doing the Joker, for instance, when he passed and they gave him his Oscar posthumously, was he was just taking a lot of medications and kind of just like trying to stay in character 100% of the time. And I think that it just shows the dedication that artists have to their work. And the underappreciation of what of how much we do dedicate to our work, even if it's not, you know, of course, you probably got a $5 million paycheck. But for some people, they will do just as, you know, much critical work. I know my for myself, practice makes perfect is my motto. And I do believe in you know, those moments where you just go on and there's something that happens and you just go with it, whether it be bad or good, or you have a feeling about, oh, I'm going to change this up right now. And you're confident about it. But at the same time, rehearsals is important. I think we learned that from Mariah Carey at um, New Year's <laughs> Jingle Balls. It's been interesting little side notes about that, you know, like who set up, who did what, you know, different kinds of things that, you know, who made the decision about who was going to be running tech and you know, yeah. lots of different things. So it's, it's interesting. Oh, are you talking about With Mariah? Mariah? Yeah. That was a huge story. Well, the, I mean, I, you know, as a celebrity junkie, I have to admit, I have my people magazine stacked up <laughs> inside my bed. They're mainly the most beautiful men. <laughs> I get them over here. But um, yeah, no, I just think that they, you know, I'm, obviously a big fan of my diva, but like I put on my Facebook, you can't just say, you know, you can't do a five minute like sound rehearsal. And <laughs> I'm, you know, a Mariah Carey, so I can just go out and sing. I'm like, it's 40 degrees. You're singing 44 million people in Times Square. You're not going to hear anything unless it's like blasting in air. And so she couldn't hear her earpiece, which coincidentally happened to, you know, Beyonce during the inaugural if you remember, or inauguration when she did the Star Spangled Banner, there's just so many people, and it's outside, so the acoustics is different. But you saw her rip out her earpiece because she's like, I can't hear. And she sang the whole thing over the tape, and then they said, Well, you lip synced. So what she did is called a press conference. She asked all the reporters to stand. She sang, she put the microphone down, and she goes, Any questions? <laughs> We know that Mariah Carey can sing them, so that's not an issue. But I'm just saying she <laughs> she should have been prepared. Or she should have prepared more for that kind of situation. And you know, art artist. You know, every artist has a, a moment where they they can be at their very best, or they can just kind of go with the flow or slide with life. I always think that if you practice. It makes, I mean, like, it makes all the difference because for me, I, like I said, I've been, I haven't been doing the variety show even for the last three months because of my health, obviously. And if I can't have enough time for rehearsal, 
I don't want to perform haphazardly. Especially if you guys are going to come out in the snow. I want you guys to have a good performance. I want you to see something that you enjoy when yes. you go home and talk about it. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't want it on social media the next day. <laughs> next Mariah Carey's up. <laughs> so. I don't think that's a concern. Well, we'll no. see. But no, I think that right now, like we talked about last time, art is becoming a great center point for diversity mm -hmm. and the conversation with diversity. Mm -hmm. It's kind of something you can't really ignore after last year. Mm -hmm. We don't have to bring all the baggage of last year into New Year, and I'm so grateful that it is New Year. But at the same time, I'm so happy that finally that conversation has been open. I'm so happy that you know, sorry for the Sony execs who got their emails hacked, but it was so enlightening mm -hmm. to see them actually say things like women can't carry roles and that they don't hire minorities, especially African Americans, because international audiences won't buy tickets. It's horrifying and it's disappointing and it's for an actor who wants to, I eventually would love to be in the film business because I love film. And I'm not saying I have to, I, it doesn't have blockbusters or anything. I just like, I want to do, I love independent films. And I was doing, I did my reel recently. And I had so many films, student films from NYU that I didn't even realize that I did, I forgotten. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was such a fun day on set. So I just, you know, that kind of, I don't want to not have the opportunity to do that because they think the international audience <laughs> won't buy my ticket. You know, if I have to do independent films, it's totally fine. But I don't, you know, how hard they fight for those funds and for everything for those films. And we have local artists here, um, you know, who do independent films. I told you my friend Jennifer Nelson had an amazing film that went to Soho in New York and. I just think, and she worked very hard to actually acquire the funds, I'm sure, to get that as well. And it's just disappointing that they have such a, it's a bit of a hierarchy and almost kind of like a, a checklist, you know. I mean, I love Jennifer Lawrence, and she made $46 million last year, according to Forbes. But she's blonde hair and blue-eyed. I mean, <laughs> how many years... Are we going to have to deal, you know, with the same kind of trajectory of, in this, we're going in this direction, you know, as Kathy Griffin said that in the last six months alone, she said, oh, well, we're going for pretty, so they didn't hire her, or we're going for young, so they didn't hire her. I can imagine a lot of African-American actors, minority, Hispanic, Latinos, etc., have experience the same kind of uh -huh. you know thing but you know one thing i notice is that we don't complain so much because we almost expect it which is neither here nor there but it, i honestly think it's disappointing yeah you know it's disappointing that we expect them to say something like we might be in touch but at the moment we're going for this which is usually the opposite right. of us. So in your training at Tisch, mm. was, was there open conversation about that in terms of oh. students who are people of color? Uh, I wish there was more. Uh -huh. I'll admit that. And I had an amazing, amazing faculty. And I loved my time at Tisch. I will say that. And at NYU in general, it, the school is really great. They were super fantastic with helping me financially. But yes, there was a small, small group of minorities there who we all stuck together, to be honest, and kind of like magnetically came together immediately when we got there because we knew that it was going to be that much harder for us to, uh, you know, navigate the city alone. But even the school was going to be a bit of a, you know, especially if you're on scholarship and you're sitting next to Warren Beatty's child. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's a bit... Really? No, no. <laughs> Most people don't, I suppose. I'm I like, really had that don't you remember that time? <laughs> you know? The... 
Come on now. <laughs> Tom Hanks' daughter was next to you. You remember. She said hello. She invited you over for dinner. No, it was it was so it was sort of like that. It was a, a moment where you are in a position and everyone around you has these amazing kind of backgrounds and stories and parents we won't i mean i don't call it nepotism so much so much as i call it kind of just like part of the game and you have to overcome that but when you're both african-american or minority i say african-american obviously because that's my kind of hurdle but minority in general you have to look at it 10 times harder i mean i think that even the average white girl white boy has to work hard to gain a spot in you know any kind of performance if they don't have the same connections as their peers do who born and raised in hollywood mm-hmm. you know and i have a few friends that were and i have a friend right now whose movie's doing amazing Nominee, I think it was nominated for five Golden Globes, but you know, it's Steven Spielberg at his bat mitzvah. So <laughs> it's like, it's, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't, even if I was Jewish and had a bat mitzvah, it would have been in the, you know, the pro- projects so 13. I was living in Edgewood here in Long. <laughs> so I was on assist- assistance. You know, my family got out of it. My mom worked very hard you know, to overcome that. And I will say she is so proud of how far she's come and her children are all doing very well. Or, you know, we have our hiccups, but (laughs) what family doesn't? Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, we worked very hard, but we didn't have this, We it's just obvious that we didn't have the kind of same opening. So when you ask if there was open conversation about it, no, there wasn't. I mean, there was obvious kind of, well, we have to acknowledge that we have minorities in the group. And I will say that they did do colorblind casting often, but there wasn't a conversation about it. It was just kind of, we are in the school, we're paying as much as anyone else. Uh-huh. Whether we're on scholarship or not, we earned it. Well, what I was thinking about is, is knowing that the reality is mm-hmm. that you're gonna graduate with the faculty knowing the reality is that people who are people of color who are students there are going to have less opportunity. Tom Oppenheim actually had a youth group. I can't think of what the name of it, but it was mostly children and, well, teenagers, I should say, from the, you know, they don't really have projects anymore, you know, that's kind of an outdated term. I will say that Giuliani did okay with that (laughs) in his time. Today, I'm not so in agreement with a lot of his opinions, but I will say, you know, he brings children from Harlem and Tom Oppenheim, by the way, is Stella Adler's grandson. And I went to the Stella Adler studio of acting, which is at Tisch. But they, they're an independent studio that has Tisch students come, and Tisch, of course, is part of NYU. So it's this whole kind of, you know, kind of a different diagram. You're going to NYU, but you're studying at Tisch. However, your courses are at Stella Adler Studio in Midtown, and then you have, you know, your courses at NYU as well, and so your main courses that you have to pass just to get your degree and your BFA. So it's not just acting school because you can go to the studio without going to NYU and just pay to go there. But to go to NYU, it's a bit more expensive (laughs) and difficult. But he brought in students and they were always minority, I noticed, in the majority. Well, here's, here's what I'm really trying to figure out is, so the sense like it is that they didn't really prepare, prepare sure. the students, whoever they were, because for students who are more privileged mm. by their skin color, etc., they could have been taught to advocate for people for, who sure. are people of color. They could have. That's something I that. never thought to about. To really to bring everybody together and say, hey, 
we are all doing this thing. We are all learning. We are all talented. We're all hardworking. We need to support each other. And we need to acknowledge that some of us are going to have fewer opportunities until all of us yeah. are working towards changing that. That, that's what I'm talking about. No, so absolutely. Really no, I, unfortunately, I don't know that there's many schools that do that because there's such a small kind of, uh, a small group of minorities that even get into these kind of large schools with great connections, etc. And I remember a year ahead of me was Ron Howard's daughter. And yes, I'm naming a name, <laughs> but I always just thought, cause they were talking about her and her personality and they were saying that she's great and sweet and very quiet. And I'm just like, great. She's going to get roles, whether or not she was <laughs> sweet and quiet. But she has a name and she's white. Exactly. And she's doing very well. Sure. And there was. And I'm not saying she's not talented. Like no, not absolutely sure. not. But the yeah. thing is, I remember a student there who is doing excellent in LA right now who couldn't memorize the monologue. It was very, I mean, like, I won't say, I'm not saying he's not talented. He was very nervous, you know, in, in class. And, but he was good looking and he came from a good family and he was born and raised in LA. And, Good family as a name recognition. Name recognition, producers or something. I don't know, something like that. And so that did help. But no, there was never like a conversation that was African-Americans, Latinos, et cetera, are going to have a harder time after graduation. Is there some networking around that? I mean, there is. The thing is, we had to advocate for ourselves. And that's why NYU, I will say, allows you to, of course, create groups. And there's a million different groups for a million different things. And that was one of them. And so nonetheless, though, you get together with those groups. For instance, I was in a group in high school called Brothers and Sisters United that was mostly for African-Americans who wanted to kind of advance in life. And it means that we come together and we support each other, but the opportunities don't just magically exist because we coalesce together. You know, it's something that, I hate to say it, but the white privilege kind right. of society has to acknowledge exists. Right, right. And that, that's what I was asking about. If they acknowledge it. No, um, I don't know that they taught that because, yes, I was Hamlet several times in, you know, on stage at NYU, but there was no, you know, there was no conversation about okay, but don't think that you're going to be Hamlet on Broadway because, you know, it's like the Peter Pan conversation we had the other day uh, or most recently that hey, they were going to choose someone who they thought matched the criteria of the Peter Pan that everyone wanted to see. And I think that they did that successfully. Well, what they thought everyone wanted to see. you know, Exactly. <laughs> Not... Not that they knew that people Pro- would only progress is so a white woman. Slow. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, you know. yes, I did say white woman. Yes, that was the joke. She was. She's beautiful and she had a great voice. She did an excellent job. But the fact is, there was a lot of people auditioned or wanted to audition, I believe, and myself included, who didn't think there was even any purpose right. to do so. And so there's a lot to be said there. And I want to. I want to segue just before sure, we take, before we take the, a break. Yeah, the break. Because something that is happening here in Lawrence, and this would be a great time to hear and collect and do something about these stories. So I'm part of this thing called the U.S. Department of Arts and Culture. Mm -hmm. And we discovered that we have in common Adam Horowitz, who's one of the head honchos. I don't know what his official title is at this moment with that and he's also a person whose background is theater. But but on during the week um, of January 27th through February 5th, nationally, uh, US Department of Arts and Culture, which is this people's movement, is advocating for communities across the country to do story circles, to collect right. stories okay. and to have these stories become part of a national conversation where it also becomes a poetic address that's called the People's State of the Union, which will be performed um, and live streamed on March 11th. 
Okay, so on Sunday, January 29th here in Lawrence, at the Lawrence Public Library from four to six is gonna be a place for anybody to drop in and be part of a story circle. And what we do in the story circles is we only listen to each other. We don't comment, we don't challenge, we give the speaker total attention for the- Do you sign up to, sto- to speak? You just come, you just come. Every, Cause everybody, everybody is divided into groups. We have usually about eight people for each story circle. We have okay. people who are trained as facilitators and we have people who are, who are also- That sounds back. Yeah, and, and so what we do is we, we have some, some prompts about belonging, not belonging, connecting with somebody who we have very different opinions. I already have a story that I want to share. And so, and so we come together, obviously there's some explanation to the group. We divide into these groups to do the circles. And when we're literally sitting around the table in the story circle, whoever, whoever's turn it is, has everybody's full attention. There's no challenging. There's no complimenting. There's no commenting. It's just listen. And then there's some time. You know, we thank that person for sharing and the next person. And we do the same thing. And then after everybody at the table has fully been able to be listened to while they share their story, after that, the, the, that group they at that table come. talks a little bit. And then all the groups share a little bit about sure. what kinds of things emerge. But also because we transcribe the stories, unless people say they don't want to be included, then it becomes part of this national body of stories. I'm so glad that yeah. this exists. So we want to do this. And I want to say to people, wherever you're listening from, okay, so if you go to the website, USDAC, the U.S. Department of Arts and Culture, .us, and then you go to backslash P-S-O-T-U for People State of the Union, you can actually download a toolkit that explains how to do this. And you could do it, you could decide, people could just say, I'm going to just get a bunch of my friends together and we're going to do this. And we're going to do it by in this format and we're going to upload these stories so we become part and of it. And we would upload it to USDA. Well, there's there, there's an explanation about exactly how Okay, online. That. But the thing is, is that we want stories. USDAC is about creating belonging. But that's a huge lack. I think that's so And that's, that's what I was just thinking as you were telling your story. Sure. I was asking. Honestly, I'm quite disappointed in, in the program that you went to that they didn't talk openly about that. Different people are going to have different challenges because of yeah. what they look like. What the I hell? told you I was yeah. the uh, uh, <laughs> at a comment from someone I told you when I first got accepted yes. to NYU yes. who said to me, well, they like to accept black people. And then I got there. I'm the only African-American in a yeah. 99-person studio. Yeah. So <laughs> at that point, you kind of think they, I think that they feel what's the point in acknowledging that i mean it just makes they probably think that it would make me uncomfortable but it actually would have done the opposite or if they just had it hadn't occurred to them yet you know perhaps and but it needs to occur and we need to take a little break here but i i this is obviously so important about I'm excited to bring in people together. That's and it's what public library. Yeah. Everyone knows public what that library, is. It's my favorite place. Easy place to drop into. Yes. Um, we're going to take this break here from some Lawrence, Kansas businesses who sponsor LawrenceHips.com. And I want to thank Daniel Smith, who produces hey, the Daniel. show and has been especially flexible this very morning mm-hmm. when things didn't turn out quite like we expected. <laughs> thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. Happens. Listeners, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Talk With Me with Marsha Epstein and Tarian LaTarles. And hey, because I don't want to forget to do this, our guest this day was also supposed to be Matt Spezia from Topeka. Mm -hmm. Matt is an amazing and very recognized performer for his slam poetry. Award-winning. Yeah. And so I want to let you know that he has an, an event coming up on January 8th, Sunday, from 4 to 7 p.m. It's called the Faces by Mayfield Poetry Series. The location is 802 North Kansas Avenue in Topeka. And again, that's 4 to 7 p.m. on Sunday, January 8th, Sunday right after this show premieres. Um, This is the newest open mic poetry series in Topeka and hosted by Matt Spezia. Um, come share, listen, be ready to perform, be ready to listen, be ready for encouragement. Yeah, be ready to absorb some kind of energy. It'll be wonderful. It's going to be, you know, a compliment to 
the speakeasy poets that have open mic on every first Wednesday in Topeka. So there are amazing poets, great things going on, and a wonderful community of poets that's growing in Topeka, Kansas. So if you can make it to Topeka, again, it's this Sunday. You can find the event on Facebook, The Faces by Mayfield Poetry Series. Hope you'll be there. Matt, thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And he was so generous in coming to the Word Tape Live to remember that. And I was, right. he performed there and I was just starstruck. Yes, <laughs> he's, he's a wonderful performer. No, so great. So I didn't want to forget that because part of, and part of what we were talking about, and, and that's really important to me, is this sense of belonging. And I will say that that is something that I have experienced and witnessed within the poetry and arts community. People coming together, people supporting each other, people really elevating each other, Necessary. people learning from each other, you know, all kinds of good things are happening. And I also think about art as a way to get more people to pay attention to things they need to Every time, to. for instance, I leave the variety show downtown or at the Percolator Theater, I always come away with a, something that I wanted, that I was inspired by uh -huh. from another artist that I'm like, why didn't I think of that? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, um, and so because it's a it's a variety show you know you get so many different kinds of artists yeah and, i mean from I, wacky things like we're juggling listen, you're going juggling and yo-yoing and you know and we, i mean we had a what's his uh, blake i think blake freeman is his name was the yoga champion of yo-yo uh, yo -yo. yes and now he's like going to uh, uh, some foreign country scandinavia or something <laughs> <laughs> to do the World Series of Yo-Yoing because that exists, people. <laughs> so, that is I so just, funny. It is. It's fabulous. And I think it's, like, great because I become friends with these people yeah. immediately. And, we, you know, you bond with other artists immediately. And you're inspired by their passion for what they do. Yes. Even if it's something that you would never consider doing or even have considered being, like, an art form and right. you know it's like oh gosh yo i mean yo-yoing and well juggling and, and dingus is it. the juggler yes. who is amazing and i'm just like oh my gosh and shy Catterlin, catterton and her mom cal, cal. Mm -hmm. who really shy is they're doing a great right. job yeah and, and one of one of cal's focuses in her teaching and her work with youth because she works at, at central middle school and Shai is a student at Central Middle School. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that as a family they embrace is we need to elevate everybody. We need to yeah. pay attention. We need to do our parts because they're a white family. And when you come to Spark, what you'll one of the things you, you might realize, or if you don't think about it, maybe you don't think about it, but Shai does a great job of bringing in people from different kinds she of does. backgrounds. You know, I'm Bring so proud of her. She's 13 by yeah. other people. Pascal performers, who, and very seldom do we have mixes of Haskell performance people and KU performance people, for example, at the same event. But that's happening at the Spark and Play. I will say that I credit a lot of that to Sarah Robinson, too, mm -hmm. because her friendship kind of like network goes uh -huh. far and wide. Uh -huh. And she's in Chicago now, but when she started Percolator or started um, Spark Despite. at the Percolator yeah. a year, about a year ago now, time flies. More than that, yeah. A little bit over a year. Yeah. And um, she had people from every dimension of society there and present and performing. And it was so enlightening because it reminded me of Brooklyn. Cool. It did. It reminded me of going to a, you know, low key kind of, you know, everyone's skinny jeans and, <laughs> you know, and just like watching artists perform, you know, with no money and just in the city trying, just wanting to perform, you know, and that's, I had missed that so much, you know, and I, I still do in a sense. I mean, I miss, that kind of authenticity where it's kind of like you're there because you're an artist 
no matter what you have, no matter where it's going, no matter what people think of it, you are going to give what you have and what you feel you were born to do. Mm-hmm. And when she put that together, I just thought, wow, okay, so this is cool. This is like, the, I, I dig this shit. I dig the fact that she like acknowledges that there's like people out there who, who are not just like singers. Or not just you know performers in the in general way, and because I'm not, I'm not a general performer. I'm not nor you know a normal actor. You know I have to fight against a lot of criticism and a lot of kind of just like anti normality in the sense of. Are you saying because you're black and gay? Black, and like gay, androgynous. Uh-huh. I mean, it all goes together. And like, as opposed to your talent, because that, that's that's the thing that's like that I need to pay attention to is that you go to an audition and you're not judged on your talent. No, you're judged by what you. Look like. I walk in the room yeah. and I I was in LA for you know a period of time and every audition I went into in LA, I could always sense that they were acknowledging my presence first my presence i believe is good mm-hmm. but then they look at my exterior mm-hmm. and just i don't think that they even hear the words that i'm speaking after that i mean i think they acknowledge that yes i have a good voice and i'm talented and everything mm-hmm. but they just can't get past some things and sometimes you the rationale is our audience wouldn't, but they don't know. That's exactly yeah. what they would say. And like I said about the Sony leak and, you know, international mm-hmm. audiences don't want to see black people at the stars or can see them, you know, in the background, etc. I mean, it's not always true. Obviously Will Smith makes a lot of money, but <laughs> for the remainder of us, it is difficult because they have a, a, a hypothesis <laughs> that if they hire African Americans or minorities in general, that they will lose money. And they don't know that, and they are neglecting their responsibility. That that's the part that uh, for really art. Me off. It's yeah. like you own a station, or you are a casting director. Yeah. And I will say, when I was in New York, there were casting directors who talked about how much they had to fight to get people roles Mm -hmm. it's very true because studio execs do not want to risk you know losing money i mean they do spend a hundred million dollars in a film sometimes you know it's crazy though because there are gay people there are african-american people there are other people of color there are other and my point being yeah that and those people spend money too (laughs) don't we I think we spend a little bit more money. Too much, if I you just, ask me. I mean, I'm we're just, like both ends. Yeah. Like, I mean, like I was at the tailors and the manicurist this week. <laughs> it was a lot to do. I, you know, and so it's like, and then I went to two movies. You know, I, I, went, I told you I had to see Loving, and I had to see oh, yeah. um, um, blue, blue light, moonlight, moonlight. And I wanted, I had to go see three movies actually. I had to go see um, what's Brad Pitt's new movie with his new mistress. <laughs> they're not, they're not dating. It's Marion Cotillard, but it's uh, um, oh god, it's called Alliance, Alliance or something like that. They're um, playing spies, and she turns out to be a German spy, etc. Sorry, we're in the movie. <laughs> Spoiler. I, I mean, that's in the preview. But yeah, no, I mean, like, I think it's dis- disappointing that they don't respect the fact that there's a wide audience for film. And most, what did they say? 87%. Wide audience. W-I-D-E. First they said wide. No, wide. <laughs> Huge, long. No, I mean, like, yes, there's white. colored <laughs> Most of them, I mean, like, yes, there's a wide audience because they can afford it. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it, 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 you know, at $8 a movie ticket these days, it's like, yes, there is a white audience for every film, you know, but Tally Perry gets his money, so he doesn't care. <laughs> Five people will save up for that. But I will say that, you know, internationally, 
we have they've done a good job at acknowledging that if you put some execs of if you put actors with other actors, you know, just a diverse group of people, then it doesn't matter as much. When you put like this is just pissing me off. I'm sorry. I know, but yeah. do you understand what I'm saying? I it's like saying, it, it but, needs to be a different like, well the Star Wars he was like, wait, the Star Wars actors, he was like, wait, you're going to hire a black man to be Hans, oh, is it Hans Solo? I'm, I'm not super familiar with it. He's English. And he was like, oh, and then I have to speak an American accent. He was shocked that they hired that, hired him. And that was an enormous deal. It shouldn't have been that. He was and, the most and, talented and the most yeah. prepared for When I say it pisses me off, what I, where, where I'm coming from is, yeah. you know, there's like, well, one, I'm I don't go to a lot of movies, so I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not well versed in film by any means. But, but to to be, you know, reminded and you know, kind of getting that more sense of how entrenched white privilege is in art, and you know, I step aside and go, the people who I connect with through art, you know, people that I've gotten to know through doing this show mm-hmm. and the U.S. Department of Arts and Culture are all artists who are very committed to social justice. So like the idea of of not using your art to push people to challenge their stereotypes is very offensive. Well, I told you that I audition for everything at Theza Lawrence, Mm -hmm. no matter what it is, Mm -hmm. because even though I know, Mm -hmm. and okay, I'm I'm sorry, but (laughs) I know that they're not going to put me in a Uh position you know, of a main character. I, for instance, took my little, my, my niece who's adorable, her first play at yes. Theater Lawrence, I told you, she yeah. saw Peter Pan. No, what, there was no black actors. Yeah. There was no black children. There was, you know, she was in transports. Yeah. There's flying people around the room. Yeah. But she, like nobody that looks like her. When's she gonna be, yeah. you know? See, and there's, there's this thing- so important. Uh, that I, Thanks to my friend Bart Andrews in St. Louis, I, I ended up finding this Tumblr post that was a, this woman talking about taking her grandfather to Rogue One because her grandfather is Hispanic, very heavily, has a very heavy accent on his English, which one of his, the main characters in Rogue One is an actor with mm-hmm. a heavily Spanish accent in his English. And so she took her grandfather to experience this Mm. so he would see on stage and hear somebody who talks just like he does Mm. you know and how powerful that is and we need that we need that for everybody did he get that yeah oh they were they did hire if people go to facebook the the page is called anniversary that's amazing because a lot of times you know the big thing is that a lot of times they hire actors who are not generally the characters that the writers initially pose because of the color of their skin yeah or in this case accent too so so we need to keep pushing, and we being the people with privilege. I, the problem is, except a oh, thing, <laughs> oh. because I was like, I can't do it. <laughs> but I want to ask you a weird question. It feels yeah. offensive even to ask you. But no, I'm going to ask you. So, do you ever? Would you ever go to an audition, kind of already in character? You know, not going, not looking and acting just like you do in your normal day to day. Sure, but just going in giving presenting this persona that is similar to the character that you would be auditioning I don't think about. I've ever done an audition where I walked in as myself. Okay. Because I always know okay. that the first thing that they're going to look at is my parents. Mm-hmm. And so I told you I got a great I got a huge So amount. do you go in real butch or what do you Depending do? Depending on the role. <laughs> No, it's I. I have done. Listen, I have done, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> I've had two girlfriends before. Listen, seventh eighth grade were a rocking year for me. I'm now the godmother and godfather of both their children, which is hilarious. <laughs> but hello, Lacey. <laughs> we won't say a last name, but <laughs> no, she'll love that. But um, yeah, no, I. 
uh, depending on the role, I remember my last audition in Los Angeles, I was supposed to play an Af a starving African child who was in a bunker and there was bombs outside. So I went in in ragged clothing and obviously I wasn't like, hair and makeup, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't walk in as RuPaul. <laughs> it was... It was <laughs> I walked in as, you know, the character, not the character, but do you know what I mean? I was, uh -huh. you know, I was kind of like trying to get a sense of the characters. I also walk in with the energy of who's around me uh -huh. and how do I ra react to that energy? Because the truth of the matter is as an actor, you are a chameleon. And uh -huh. so you right. have to be able to read the room. Yeah. A. And so, if I mean, that's, whether it's an audition or if you're meeting with an, a studio exec, you know, you have to decide if this guy is going to be, you know, funny or like in light, or if he's going to be like kind of straight to business. Uh -huh. And that's why I'm so proud of the actors and actresses, especially the black actresses right now who are getting notoriety. Taraji P. Henson, um, her movie, oh, where she plays a mathematician, is oh, hidden figures. Hidden figures. My that, yeah. mom went and saw two dollars. They like played into the gun, and she says amazing. And I, you know, she, I can tell, goes into every meeting, not kind of like herself, but uh -huh. whatever character she needs to be at the time. Uh -huh. And Vi Viola Davis, uh -huh. I'm excited to see Fences. Uh -huh. My favorite play by August Wilson. Huh? It really is actually. It's next to my bed, which is hilarious. Yeah. Well, I did a monologue for it when I auditioned for NYU. Um, and so I'm jealous of the boy, of course, who plays the son. But I would never get that part because I'm tiny. I'm too petite for it, you know? Uh -huh. And that's something that, you know, I'm like, should I gain weight? You know? <laughs> I honestly think, think, think my acting career is going to go off when I'm older. And right now it's going to be more about my personality and kind of yeah. like my writing and my kind of art, independent artistry rather than like the entertainment industry's kind of consideration of it. Doesn't mean I don't think I'm going to be, you know, able to break into that society is just going to be in a different way. But because I've seen the actors playing it, he was playing Denzel Washington's son in Fences. And I was just, I just thought, of course, you know, it's like, even as a black actor, you see other black actors and you think, oh, that one's going to get roles. And this one's not, or it's going to be difficult for me to get roles because of this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as much as my race comes into question, even when there's a play available or a film available for a black actor, I have to think about then, okay, I'm gay or I'm very petite. Uh -huh. I, you know, I'm androgynous. And they are going to look for someone who almost resembles the actor who's in character. In this case, for instance, is a Washington son, had to look like Denzel Washington at 15. But that, there's some things that can be done with makeup about that. I mean, yes, I but body image, you know, yeah. and film, they don't want to take you out of the, you know, of the scene. So you're saying that they would have wanted a male actor who was more. Yes, I'm sure when they said, because um, I got a, a, a um, email sent to me recently for an audition, and they were asking for males 5'9 to 5, uh, 262. Um, 160 to 210 pounds. Yeah, that's not gonna be. No, that's <laughs> not. And I'm almost positive that's probably how the you know the audition went out for friends. Uh -huh. Even though I've been practicing for that role my whole life, you know, it's like I've been. But even for the kid, okay. I've been rehearsing for Peter Pan my whole life. But at the same time, I will never be white and blue eyed. But you would be perfect, Peter Pan. That's a whole different story. I know, but it's just, you know, I've been, I have sang every song, I've done everything I've done, but it's just, it's, there's no roles that I, I mean, that I'm guaranteed for. And because so, of your body type, etc. Yeah, exactly, because of, 
me. And I, I guess it's disappointing because I went to such a, cl- a classically trained right. studio right. where it's kind of like, I didn't, that didn't matter when you were there. Right. They stripped that away because you're, you're well, spending $50,000 a year to learn how to become an actor. Uh-huh. You know, not a personality. We don't care about your body uh-huh. or like what you look like. We want to know if you can play this role. Uh-huh. And that's why I was Hamlet, Othello, Iago, uh-huh. you know, all these characters that I would never probably be hired for on Broadway if they actually did the play. And even though I was, you know, given so much praise in studio, it's disappointing in reality. After all of the time, after all the determination yeah. and all the money, I don't, it would not be something that could be given to me yet uh-huh. because we have such a idea in we, there's, what I'm hearing is there's such rigid assumptions it's about so what somebody's appearance needs to be for for roles. Right. And that their assumptions, they aren't necessarily granted in any kind of reality. No. But they're just these assumptions. I mean, I think that when I hear people say, oh, this actor should not have you playing this role because of this. Physically, you know, I'm just kind of like, as not, it shouldn't have anything to do with that. And even, you know, I, I, I do understand if you're playing an actor character because, you know, they were like, oh, well, Nicole Kidman is going to be Grace Kelly, of course. And what's, uh, Natalie Portman's going to be Jackie Kennedy because they can transform her. It's not like they're going to choose a black actress to play <laughs> that character. But at the same time, we need to do more movies where... But the, even that is an interesting thing to me. Because what is that? Yeah, what do because, you think of that? Well, what I think is that when when a movie is, and again, I'm not a movie buff, so I'm not trying to claim any. But you're an artist. No, you know art. I know. Yeah, I know what I like. You sure. know, like everybody else. But what I was going to say is, you know, when I'm seeing a movie about real events mm-hmm. and real people are portrayed. I'm smart enough to know, well, that's not really that person. That's not Jack. So if, if, when I think of, you know, whatever tidbits I have in my imagination about Jackie Kennedy, I think about a certain elegance and different Mm -hmm. things like that. And I don't think of skin color as being part of that. You know, what, I know who Natalie Portman is, so I know she's not Jackie Kennedy. So why couldn't it be somebody else? Like, you know? yeah. Why couldn't it be? Taraj you know, Benson or Viola Davis yeah. or one of the Yeah, I mean, why couldn't out. it be? As long as they they had that projection of yeah. the image of persona and everything. Can I can I make my brain go? It doesn't it's matter. Art. You're supposed to kind of fall into the dream of it. It's like, because I consider film to be kind of just like, almost like a dream that you're experiencing. Yeah. Almost because I always dream about whatever yeah. movie I see after I watch it. Especially if I go to a theater, because yeah. it's like you like are entranced for yeah. two hours. Yeah. And so. so. I don't know. I mean, I, I get also I get that, that people, you know, say, well, you wouldn't, I wouldn't want a movie about Barack and Michelle Obama to be white, white people. Actors. No, I totally get that. And I totally and get so, so maybe, you know, is it yeah. possible to have, you know, a person whose skin is obviously very dark be Jackie Kennedy? But what upsets or me that about that is not that she's Jackie Kennedy, but that it's going to be portrayed in 1960s. Yeah. He was, what, murdered in 62, and which means that there's not going to be very many African Americans or Latinos or any other diversity in the film because at that time he wasn't surrounded by those people. There might be someone who plays, you know, Ali coming to visit at the White House. Maybe they'll surprise us and like have like a lot of black people in the crowd. But it wasn't I mean he advocated for black rights. But and so maybe there'll be a Martin Luther King character. I don't know. Yeah. But okay. the point okay. is you know, in the time period, it's kind of like my favorite movie. One of my favorite movies of all the time is Elizabeth with Kate Blanchett from 1989. You know, we have to end the show. Oh, gosh, already. So these two things I want people to Continue remember. to remember that, though. Go to Spark and Flame Fridays. It's always the first Friday. I'm nervous, but I'll see you guys there. Yeah, and it, it's a lovely event. And in Topeka on Sunday the 8th, go to the open... Poetry yes. by Matt Spezia. And 
Annette Belling has a new book. Desk Hands for Daughter is so beautiful. Please. Lots of good stuff going on. Tarian, thanks for joining Absolute, me. Uh, any, listen, any day of the week. <laughs> Listeners, thanks for listening. And we Happy hope that you're New Year. thinking about things that we talked about and that you will do something different. Let's make 2017 the year. All right. Thank you and so long. Have a good day.